Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about the habit of spending time in nature, one of my very favorite things is Lindsay Fontelroy. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, lady. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, thank you for being here. Well, let me first introduce you because you have a beautiful bio. And um, uh, Lindsay describes herself, just everyone who's listening, as um, a soul medicine guru. And like that just had me at the beginning because it's such an amazing amazing attribute and way to describe yourself. And here I am in beautiful Costa Rica, if you can see me on video here. And um, it's just apropos that we're talking about nature in such a gorgeous setting. So um, I love how the universe works. It always has our back if we're listening. So without further ado, Lindsay's a licensed acupuncturist and founder of The Spirit Seed, a school that offers personal and professional development courses based on ancestral understandings of health, humanity, nature, and the cosmos. Lindsay's a certified instructor for the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, as well as a facilitator of the Flower Essence Society's Global Practitioner Certification Program. Her approach to soul medicine emerged through 15 years of clinical practice, doctoral studies of indigenous and African diasporic psychology, and her commitment to community wellness. Lindsay's five element flower essence remedies, the elementals, are available nationally and internationally. So welcome. <laughs> Yay, so thank you. Lindsay, so for listeners who are just like intrigued as I am about your bio, tell us like what led you here to today. Why flower essence remedies? Why have a doctoral degree? Why why all of this? <laughs> what led you here to this place of talking about nature with me here today on June 10th, 2022? It's, it's such it's been such an amazing journey. I mean, the way that I really got introduced to all of this stuff is through my journey to fertility. You know, in wow. my early, yeah, in my early twenties, I was diagnosed with what they called then premature ovarian failure. Thankfully, they don't use that phrase anymore. Um, but I was in my early twenties, and I was told that I could never have children. And was, of course, devastated in my mind. I thought I was going to have like a whole tribe of seven or eight children and all of these things. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and so in that process of learning how to heal my body, uh, I was introduced to the medicine that I practice now, which is flower essence therapy, which is acupuncture. And as I deepen my relationship with those medicines, really seeing that um, they come out of a worldview, they come out of an indigenous and old worldview that honors the relationship between the psyche, the soul and nature. And so whether we're talking about five element theory and acupuncture, whether we're talking about the alignment of the chakras with particular elements, whether we're talking about the flower essences themselves, it's really this coming back to nature. And I always say the flower essences are the alternative medicine's best kept secret. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, they get there. Yeah, they're so accessible. So that's why I'm here because I love this, this medicine yeah. so much. So Lindsay, take us from the place where you found out you had this horrendous sounding diagnosis of, (laughs) I'm glad they don't call it that anymore. What do they call it now? Um, Ovarian insufficiency. Okay. Ovarian insufficiency to the part where you began to practice. So what happened in the in-between? So much happened in the in-between. And so I, my sister-in-law at the time had the Bach flower remedies in her cabinet. And, Mm. you know, I was sitting on her couch one day and I was just what I like to call a hot mess. I was crying and, you know, how we can get into these downward spirals where it's like nothing is ever going to be okay again. And so Mm. she just started putting these little flower essence tixtures into a glass of water. And I felt this sense of calm and the sense of ease and the sense of even though I can't necessarily control what's happening in my body, I'm still okay. You know, it was just inner knowing of feeling held. 
that at the time mm. I didn't even really understand what that was or what flower essences were. Um, but I will say in hindsight, and this is of course almost almost 20 years ago, um, that those flower essences were a catalyst and I started attracting different resources to support my body, which included the acupuncture, included spiritual community, doing a lot of prayer in community for healing that ultimately led to my daughter being born, conceived and, and Yay! born. Yes! <laughs> so that's where I was trying to get to. Yes, we, we are here in the present. She's, she's 15. She's dynamic. She's incredible. And she's a testament to um, this idea that everything changes. Our bodies change just like nature changes. Um, nothing is static, you know, and so really tuning into that and, you know, one of the first books that I read in my journey was this book called The Infertility Cure, which was mm. a book about Chinese medicine. And in the very first pages of that book, they say there's no such thing as infertility. Mm. And that right away captured my heart because to have one set of doctors saying premature ovarian failure, your ovaries do not work. You will never, ever, ever, ever have children. And then to encounter this other medicine that says there's no such thing as infertility. There's only patterns and you yeah. can align with these patterns. That was a game changer for me. So I started reading every acupuncture book I could find. And at a certain point, it occurred to me that if I'm going to read acupuncture textbooks, I might as well go back to school. And that's how, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's how I ended up going into acupuncture school with some support from the flower essences um, wow. to help me align with that. That I love that. Okay. So tell us about your practice today. So you went from, you know, being diagnosed with, um, you know, this sort of infertility to finding um, these other ways of being that really described as a pattern, which I love this because, you know, in nature, as I actually like look at my own background, um, there is only patterns in nature. And I've read some studies that said like our brand, our brain really loves nature because, the way that our brain is organized and actually its shape, its physical shape is similar to the fractals that we see in nature, the way that plants are organized. And so it gives us a sense of calm. Mm -hmm. So tell us like, here we are again in June of 2022, and you are practicing what you have so many certifications. What is your main practice? So I, I call my practice soul medicine. Okay. And the way that I describe it is that, you know, our physical health, we all have different physical constitutions. There's so much out there in um, the Western world about how to take care of our bodies, you know, sleep, mm. there's different dietary theories, there's different exercise theories. It's, there's so much out there and we can all kind of choose our own adventure in terms of our physical body. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's our spiritual life. And you, we all have a different relationship with the divine. We all have different religions. We all have different spiritual practices, but the soul medicine lies in between those two worlds. It's how do we move the energies that contribute to how we think our perspective what we look for, what we see, how we feel about what we see when we look at our lives. All of that stuff lives in between our, our physical bodies and our spiritual understanding. And so the soul medicine is how do we begin to understand the cycles and rhythms of nature as a guideline for shifting the, that in-between space so that we can be in alignment. In East Asian medicine, we say that humanity stands between heaven and earth. And so how do we work with this life force of nature, this chi, this prana, this life force to be in alignment, to realize our spiritual ideals in our actual lived experience? Yeah, no, I love that. And for people who might, again, not be familiar with soul medicine, I wasn't even familiar at, I thought I knew what it was until you just described it so beautifully as this place. I just want to repeat for our listeners between, you know, maybe our spiritual practice and our physical practice, Right. And as I hear you saying, it's almost like the way our limbic brain works as like a intermediary, like how we are sort of, or like the fascia in our physical bodies. Like it's the, between the way we interpret and and digest and react to other things. And you're saying also that it's relation and mirror to the nature that we obviously are surrounded with, but to go a step further, 
Um, for those people that may have read, and I don't know if you've read last time I was actually in Costa Rica, I read Sapiens, which is a beautiful book. And they talk, he talks about this book. Uh, I think he also wrote Dose, which was the second, but about how we largely as humans have removed ourselves from nature. Like That's we could argue we're not even in the food chain anymore. I think we can definitely argue that um, if humans were wiped out tomorrow, I don't think nature would be all that bothered. <laughs> Might be, might be jumping up and down, but uh, certainly wouldn't be all that bothered, right? Like the food chain would not have a hole in it. You know, if we would get rid of right. another species on, on this planet, you know, there would be a hole in the food chain, but we've removed ourselves from nature. And so what I hear you saying is that soul medicine reintegrates us on some level with this beautiful earth that we're blessed with. That's correct. And this, the cycles and rhythms, I mean, I love that you brought in the fascia and the limbic system, because that is really the aspect of our development that we're working with when we're looking at soul medicine. We're looking at um, the limbic system, our emotional body, some people Mm -hmm. might call it, our etheric body, others might call it, Um, but this relational aspect of ourselves that we in, in Western culture have kind of tried to override or have Hmm. maybe lost our connection to, as you're saying, because there's so much emphasis on this kind of um, thinking, right? Our Mm -hmm. thinking body, our our ability to use logic and reason and those things, which have a place, right? They they definitely have served humanity in some ways, but we can also see um, where our logic and reason and our binary thinking and our separatist mentality, materialism or individualism, we can see how they're kind of running humanity into a bad place. Like you said, you know, nature is, is, I always say the trees are looking at us and pitying us and saying, oh, these poor humans, they just have no idea (laughs) how to be on this planet in in a really healthy way. And so with soul medicine, we're turning our gaze so that we can learn from the environment that in many ways we're destroying. Yeah. And so I, one of the things that um, is coming up for me is listeners may be thinking, okay, well, I'm totally in. I think this is awesome. Like give us like basic practices of soul medicine or sort of nature practices of nature and how it can contribute to them sort of, or both. Yeah. I think that um, one of the first things that I would say about soul medicine and our relationship to nature is just be in nature. Mm. Right. And so, you know, sometimes it's, it's really that simple of, you know, in, in terms of some of the other habits that you've talked about on your show, you know, being in nature, listening, you know, when I work with my students in the high schools, I say, we listen with our eyes, ears, and heart. Right. And so just the simple act of being outside and opening our hearts to listen, um, being still enough to listen and to be present is is already activating this medicine for us. Um, when I am doing my Ph.D. work every now and then, I'll come upon a study that you know just blows my mind and really inspires me. And a recent study talked about uh, these really four different ways of being in nature, which I think is very user-friendly. So one is just thinking about nature, right? Having a piece of art on your wall that is maybe a picture of nature, opening a window, buying a plant. It can be that simple of just having that desire to connect. You know, I live in an urban environment, so I'm not going to walk outside and see a forest to trees, but I can buy plant and I can. I I see a plant back there. There's a plant back there and I have to commit to taking care of said plant. (laughs) And even doing that puts me in this reciprocal relationship with the natural Mm. world. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way is to um, interact with nature. So interacting with nature is doing something like going for a walk, you know, going kayaking. That might be my favorite habit, the walking one. The walking (laughs) one is hands down my favorite. I go for a walk Mm -hmm. every single day, sometimes even when it's raining, um, because I feel like that's my prayer. That's like my daily prayer when I Mm -hmm. just have a moment to walk outside and see the birds. And, you know, the other day I was walking and I saw a snail and I was just like, huh, the snail, I feel like is trying to tell me something about totally. Um, mm-hmm. So that's another way of being in nature. And then there's also living within nature, you know, which some of us have the opportunity to do. Some of us don't, but 
when we're thinking about living with nature, immersing ourselves in nature, it's it's really honoring that nature is everywhere. There's nowhere we can go. Even the busiest urban city, there's nowhere we can go where there isn't nature. There's nowhere we can go in this point in time where there's no sky, where there's no sun, where there's not something that's growing up through the concrete in between the sidewalks. And so um, allowing ourselves to experience that is one of the easiest ways to just activate that aspect of our limbic system that is calmed down by being in connection with um, the environment oh, that we're I love part that of. so much. So and what's number four? Um, so what did I say? Observing said, and thinking. We, we think, thinking, which I love because I, you know, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan and he always talks about changing your psychological state. And he always um, prescribes the idea of actually thinking about something that really that you love if you're not feeling great. And I love this idea of thinking about nature to shift your emotional state. Right. That's and right. Also, yeah. And then his second thing is he also talks about physiology that mm-hmm. we oftentimes need to be in motion to move energy through our bodies, right? Because the energy gets stuck. And what you said earlier before you talked about these beautiful four states and is that we're mainly living sort of like this neck up life. We're not living this like fully embodied Embodied. life. And um, in my practice, I like people to think about living a neck down life. Like we've done enough thinking, we probably done enough thinking for a couple of lifetimes. Like it's time to turn the brain off and go neck down, right? Because our heart and intuition is where like our answers live, right? Like the body knows well before the brain does. And I often tell people too, that if we, you know, I coach a lot of CEOs and, and, and executives and I always say, you know, working longer hours likely is not going to get you farther, which is, you know, what we are sort of conditioned to do. But this idea of spending time in nature, oftentimes we can hear, like, if, so this is the point too, we can hear the answers to many of the questions that it might take us three years at our desk, staring at our email to That's solve. Right. And those That's answers right. could expand our, um, you know, expand our careers well beyond um, you know, the 12 hour days could. So that's, right. that's something that I really, really, really love. And I think is important. And then the third living in nature. Well, if you look, if you can see me on video, I'm currently living in nature <laughs> in a ba- I'm in a bamboo house, which is basically like, we were joking uh, like a boat, you know, it's like, there's, there's outside. So <laughs> a boat in the jungle, and you'll probably see a monkey come through at some point, but <laughs> living in nature is, it's really, it's so good for nervous systems. I know for me here, my nervous system is definitely at peace. Calmer. Yeah. So what's number four? So we have um, thinking about nature, which could include guided imagery, right? Bringing okay, a landscape yeah. into our mind's eye, interacting or perceiving nature. I'm sorry, is the second one, which is... Okay perceiving the natural world around you, interacting with nature is doing something that involves, I think that speaks to the embodiment, you know, it's doing something in nature. And then the last is total immersion living within nature. Okay. Is the fourth. Yeah. Is the fourth. Got it. And does, and where does like pets fall? Because people might be thinking like, I have a dog and interacting. Is that interacting? I would say that's interacting. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. You know, that interacting it's, it's, to me, it comes down to reciprocity, right? Mm, so when we're interacting smart. with nature, it's this give and receive. It's this idea, you know, I think one of the challenges with the Western mindset, the the consciousness uh, that has us living in our heads, right, mm-hmm. is that it's separate. It's a, it separates. Its nature is to analyze and to discriminate and to separate things from one another. And so when we're talking about living in reciprocity, we're talking about this give and take, that it's not about extracting from nature. It's mm-hmm. not about, okay, I'm going to use this one little component of this herb and I'm going to only use that component and ignore the rest of the plant, but really reciprocity, meaning that if I walk past a tree and I see a piece of trash, I'm going to pick up the trash. Mm. If my pet is, you know, jumping up and down and giving me lots of love and affection, I'm going to return that love and affection. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to care for them. And so always uh, with nature, we're talking about giving and receiving reciprocity balance that we, we don't take more than we need and we leave um, more than we've taken is mm. really how we think about it. And that's generosity. Generosity. Absolutely. The more yeah. you give, the more you receive, you know? Yeah. So tell us to too instruct. about, yeah. Tell us about like these, 
um, universal laws of reciprocity. Cause I think it goes almost like one step beyond nature, right? Like, or, you know, I'm a firm believer and you can, you can tell me what you believe, but I believe mm-hmm. that if we give, right. If we're generous mm-hmm. that it's not like we give somebody a dollar and then someone turns around and gives us back a dollar. That's not right. how reciprocity That's in my mind works. or my belief works. It works. Like if I give a dollar down the road, someone may do something for me, which enables me to maybe, you know, have an idea that generates me hundreds of dollars, whatever it is. Mm. And it may just look different. It may just be an act of kindness or goodness, but that the more that we understand that we feel like, I mean, I hate to even, you know, our, our buckets, so to speak of, of generosity, the more that our buckets are full, just not even by forcing or fixing just by allowing. Right. I think that, um, you know, one of the concepts that I was introduced in terms of reciprocity um, comes out of one of the African spiritual t- traditions, and there are many, and there's this uh, this deity that's called Ma'at, right? And we see this mm. deity as this winged goddess that is sometimes thought of as like the precursor to like more of a Libra archetype, this idea of the balanced scales, and so Ooh. it's exactly like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's not transactional in terms of I give this and I get this exact thing back, but it's more this universal idea that, that the universe or the divine or God or however you conceive it is constantly trying to find harmony and balance so that each of his creatures gets exactly what is needed. So I might give a dollar to someone because they need a dollar. And later on, I might need 50 cents Mm. or I might need $50,000. And that reciprocity is going to give me what I need in that moment. Um, I think of it uh, in terms of abundance. I think about it as an orb spider web, right? Mm. Where we're each, you know, we're each one little thread in this tapestry of this web. And whatever you do is going to affect that, that web. But also that if I'm in alignment with my purpose, with my destiny, with my path, the reason why I was given the privilege of coming on down here and having a body is that part of my responsibility is to uphold the integrity of this interconnected web. And the Mm. universe wants me to do that as well. So the more that I align with my purpose, the more that I align with community, the more that I align with generosity, the more the universe is going to give me because it's almost like saying, oh, that one right there, that thread right there is is really strengthening the integrity of our interconnection. And so that's Mm. our responsibility to, to align with the wholeness of this entire cosmos and universe and Oh. And to feel the abundance that comes from that alignment. Oh, I love that. I read, um, well, that's beautiful and, and be- better depictor of what I was trying to say. So thank you so much for that beautiful explanation, but we're so you know, aligned was, <laughs> <laughs> with what you're re- saying and what saying, I'm feeling. It's like, right I, there. <laughs> I was reading this morning, um, this concept, this beautiful book, the power of attitude by this guy, Stan Toller. And he was grew up in a West coal mining uh, in West Virginia in a coal mining family. They had very little. Mm-hmm. But in this book, his um, father uh, really had this this idea and had really let him know that we are stewards of everything that the universe gives us, right? Gosh. So that nothing, nothing belongs to us. And that if we believe that nothing, you know, this computer that I'm talking to you mm-hmm. on, the trees behind me, the house I sit in, if nothing belongs to us, then our responsibility, and this is what I hear you saying, so just correct me if, if this mm-hmm. is correct, it's our responsibility to take care of those things mm-hmm. while we're here because we enter this world without them, mm-hmm. right? And we leave this world without them. So they're That's just right. our, our things to take care of and therefore even the people in our lives, right? We have a responsibility and a sense of stewardship to those things and so holding them with care and that there's not, which led to the next point is that, you know, where in your soul medicine, how do you deal with scarcity? Because I think probably the number one thing that comes to mind is that for many of my clients come to me and there's a scarcity mindset, which mm-hmm. for listeners, that would be, there's not enough, Yeah, usually money or love mm-hmm. <laughs> is not enough. And there's not enough good men and not enough good women, not enough <laughs> money, not enough job opportunities, not yeah. enough stuff to acquire not enough right and they're all worried people come with these fears about losing right and i want to get to purpose after the break because we will go to break in a little bit but because purpose is a whole nother thing but 
and I think to get to purpose, we have to first step into abundance. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, so when people come to you and they're saying like, you know, they're, they're very fear trodden about losing something. And ultimately all fear is based in my opinion and the fear of death. Right. So there's like, Mm in my, in my mind, which is, can be sometimes binary, which is a bad thing. We've got love and we've got fear and everything, every emotion, every state, every way of being mm-hmm. comes from those two places. Mm-hmm. And so my big question, and we might be able to answer this after the break, maybe we'll even stop here is for those that come with a fear-based mindset of there is not enough for me here. And I'm afraid of losing something, something I have or something I'm yet to have. Right. Mm-hmm. How do we step from scarcity to abundance? And I'm going to go to break actually on that cliffhanger, everyone. (laughs) How do we step from scarcity to abundance? Because in my mind, it's also how do we step from victim to creator, Uh, right? Because when Uh we're in scarcity, someone has the potential to do something to us that makes us small. And if we're in abundance, we're creating on this beautiful journey of ours, because if we think of it that way, we're just here for a short time creating this beautiful life and it can mm-hmm. be whatever we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. There's enough, there's enough for everyone. Right. And that's where generosity and gratitude live. So anyway, okay. we're going to go to break everyone. <laughs> and Lindsay, <laughs> you're so beautiful and so happy to have you here, but everybody hang tight. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes um, to discuss scarcity to abundance mindset. And then how we can use nature to find our life purpose. Thanks everybody. Hang in there. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call into 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Now, back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for hanging tight and hanging in there. We're here with Lindsay Fontelroy, a soul medicine guru, discussing the habit of nature. It's such a beautiful habit, Lindsay. Thank you for choosing it. And everyone, we are talking right before the break, if you were hanging in there with us, that this idea of how to move from a scarcity to abundance mindset. And just to qualify for that, everyone, I would say, before I toss it back to Lindsay, most of my clients come to me, even at the highest, highest levels worried 
and fearful about losing something or something they don't have yet. It could be also fear of something happening to them, an emotion, a, um, a situation. And when we are in scarcity, we have those fears. But when, in my mind, when we're in abundance as a coach, we know there's enough to go around. So tell us how, you know, it, using this con- beautiful context of nature, mm-hmm. how you have your clients and how you would recommend listeners shift, make that shift or begin to make that shift. So one of the things that I love about the medicine that I practice and it being rooted in five element theory, which comes out of the East Asian tradition, is that there are five core emotions that every emotion that we experience comes out of. And those Mm. core emotions are each aligned with a particular element in nature. (gasps) Tell us, tell us about these five. So the five elements and their associated emotions, and, uh, and then that will help me talk more about how we would address the scarcity, right? And so um, the water element is fear. Mm-hmm. The wood element is anger. The fire element is love. The earth element is roughly translated as overthinking and anxiety. And then mm-hmm. the metal element is grief and loss. And so... Mm. So much to unpack there. There's so much to unpack. And literally, I feel like I need a couple shows. We need a few shows and I probably need a few more lifetimes to really understand the depth of the of the wisdom there. Um, So when we're talking about fear and scarcity, that is what we would look at through the water element. We would look at um, both energetically, the meridians that are associated with the water element, they run through the, the back and the reproductive system. Um, so as an acupuncturist, if someone is expressing a lot of fear, I would start by giving some acupuncture or acupressure to move that fear energy. And the other thing that is associated with the water element element is this idea of lineage and ancestry. Mm. And so there's some unpacking that needs to be done around um, this country in the U.S. We could argue that it was founded based on fear and lack and survivalist mentality, right? And so some of that we still see evidence of, right? There's not not everyone has equal access to resources, right? Um, A lot of people came to this country to be exploited for their labor Mm -hmm. um, out of that lack mentality, out of that scarcity, out of that survival. So there is still some very real world inequities that many of us are facing as we deal with this lack mentality. It's, Mm. It's, you know, it's part of our genealogical inheritance in some ways. Mm-hmm. So when we're dealing with that, when I'm seeing that in my practice, one of the things that I support my clients in doing is a little bit of their family history. What is mm-hmm. their ancestral relationship to wealth? What is their ancestral relationship to abundance? You know, how did your family come to be here? What risks to their survival are living within you that you are now given the opportunity because you feel the fear and because you're conscious of it? Um, it then becomes an opportunity to begin to shift it for the next few generations that are that are coming. Um, so that becomes a starting place of, of shifting that lack mentality, um, shifting that fear. And then the flower essences, there are quite a few flower essences mm-hmm. that I use to help shift that internal dialogue and that perception because it's really it really does come down to perception and it really does come down to, what is here for me now? What is at my disposal now? Even if I feel like I don't have X, Y, and Z, or that I, if I take this risk, you know, my family's going to fall to ruin. You know, a lot of times it's getting the flower essences to support the, the programming and the negative talk that we're feeding ourselves that isn't really necessarily true. I mean, I've done work with um, executives and, you know, if you kind of follow the train of their thinking, they might say things like, oh, if I, you know, if I don't get this promotion or this job or, you know, whatever it is, then I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. And then you just kind of follow that train of thinking and they get to a place where I'm like, I'm going to be on the street and I'm going to be homeless. And you're like, well, you have family. You feel like that's that that line of thinking is not actually true. That's the fear. Right. Um, and so getting underneath it so that a person can be really clear in what is their next step, 
even yeah. if it's a step into the unknown, which is also part of the water element, you know, how do we take that leap of faith? Um, how do we trust what we can't see? How do we follow our intuition? That is going to, that trust is going to be what we use to counteract the fear. And so mm. tap, helping a person to tap into their source of trust, their source of faith, their source of inner innate power is going to be how we start to unravel and move through that, that lack mentality or that fear, that scarcity. I love that. And just, and also, I just want to go back to this idea that perhaps once we start to ask, you know, I would say like the five whys, like if we're afraid of something, I love what you're saying, like asking the, going through the whole line, like taking it back a notch and being like, well, why are you afraid of that? And then why about that? And why about that to get to the real meat and potatoes of the thing. But Mm -hmm. also that it might be that some of our fear and scarcity mentality might be generational in that it's not necessarily ours. And one of the Mm -hmm. things I do in um, especially my online course, which is a women's group we work with it. Sometimes we inherit these beliefs, That's right. but, it's t- but we have the ability to put them down in this lifetime and not pass them forward That's because, right. you know, like I'll give you a very personal one. There's one in my life that um, even in crowded places, I've always felt very alone and I never knew where mm-hmm. that came from. And I did some work around it and it was like this feeling that was largely my mother's. And it was not mine. And she died by suicide. So that makes perfect sense, right? It could have been that Mm -hmm. she inherited it from someone else. And it was my work that even, you know, again, like in a family unit and in in, in a crowded space, I had like this weird feeling of like being alone, which is like nonsensical, didn't make sense. And like, oh my God, I'm alone. But it does make sense if you think of it, that it didn't come from me, right? It right. Was mine. And then right. when I did the work to put it down, all of a sudden I felt super connected back to what you were saying in the first half of the show to everything and everyone around me. Mm. And it was like this m- tremendous relief to mm-hmm. know that it wasn't my responsibility to hold that. It was someone mm-hmm. else's and I could put it down and then not pass it on to, so to my beautiful. children. Yeah. That's such a beautiful example. And I, I thank you so much for sharing that and bringing it oh, forward. No, um, because totally. I, it just it hit home for me because I was like this. It was the first experience I'd had to something that I couldn't pretty much my entire life understand. Right. And as I was teaching this work, it actually like came up for me. Like I was well, obviously that's not mine because it doesn't even fit into the context of my life. Like it's like a puzzle piece. If you guys know, I'm a puzzle fan. It it just like doesn't fit in this puzzle that I'm creating. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I can put it in another box. I can like relieve myself of it and move forward in my journey with the puzzle pieces that work for me. And I want to acknowledge, I mean, you're, you're speaking of it so um, beautifully and just to acknowledge that that is such huge work to go in and to pick up the pieces of what was, has been passed down to us that doesn't fit and to shapeshift it, you know, shapeshift to to make it something else. (laughs) Like it's, it's such big work, but it's such necessary work, especially as we're starting to, or trying to, or striving to undo the separation that we feel between ourselves as humans and the rest of the natural world, as we start to undo and um, repair some of the damage that has done to Indigenous people and Indigenous cultures, as we start to reframe what it means to be successful um, and, and interconnected, that there are some really big chunks of work that we have to dig into and it's not Mm. easy and it's not often pretty and it, you know, healing doesn't always feel good and it's not linear. And, and so Mm -hmm. to be in this girl, it is, it really is. (laughs) And sometimes honestly, you know, speaking to my, for myself, I'm like, why do I even do this? I'm like, I just, I don't even want to do this work anymore for my own inner work, but to, to stay in it and to push through it. Um, I do think that we, we see the abundance and the prosperity and the well-being that comes from fighting for reconnection, fighting for alignment mm. and, and staying in that work. So what's the cost if we stay stuck and don't, and don't do sort of our work as yeah. human beings reconnecting with nature or, you know, thriving ourselves? You know, that's such a great question. I I think that the impact is both personal and collective. Mm. You know, I think in our personal lives, we we don't find the peace or the well-being that we might be seeking 
and we might mm. try to find it in ways that are then damaging, you know, um, and I think that we can see evidence of that, you know, just looking on the news and, and seeing, you know, some of the atrocities of man against man and, you know, the violence and, and things like that, or, you know, people who kind of sacrifice um, people for their own financial gain, yeah. you know, sacrifice relationships, sacrifice family for their own financial gain. I, I think that the cost of not doing this inner work to stay connected results in an endless seeking for something that we'll never find in the external mm. world. And I think that the collective, yeah, yeah <laughs> right. And then I think the collective cost is that, you know, if I, if I truly believe that we are each here to further and evolve this interconnected web, that if we don't do our part, the whole entire web suffers. And we might not see the impact of me not doing my part for another 10 years. I mean, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. I like, I always say it's kind of above my pay grade, you know, all of the interconnectedness. <laughs> like, I can't really you see seem pretty all woke. It. I don't know. But yes, <laughs> tell us. Some things are definitely above my pay grade in terms of the whys and the hows. But um, but I think that's the other cost is that, you know, I do believe that we are each here to contribute something. And if we get stuck in our patterns, if we don't find a way to push through the, the limitations, then we all lose out on whatever it was that we were meant to bring here. I mean, I started my work um, with this medicine doing women's wellness circles. Mm. And I started out working specifically around trauma when I was in acupuncture school. They called me trauma mama because I was so like... <laughs> go right into the travel. Let's, let's find it. Let's heal it. Drama mama. Good. You're going to get a lot of phone calls after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it shifted because what I realized as I was working with these women through their stuck places that it really wasn't about the stuck place. It was really about the brilliance that the stuck place was getting in the way of. So the focus became not on how do I heal this broken piece, but how do I focus on my wholeness and what I'm really here to bring? And as I step fully into my power, what I'm, my creative gifts, what I'm here to do, what I'm here to bring, then that other stuff, those, those broken pieces, the parts that feel broken, not that they become less significant, but they become a piece of a larger puzzle, mm. you know, that it, it's something that needs to be shifted or repainted maybe or solved a little bit differently mm. um, because it has something potent in it that is going to service the, the, the stuff that I'm really up to. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you're leading us right into my next thing I wanted to talk about and, or topic, which is, is purpose. And, and I think mm -hmm. beyond people coming to me initially for behaviors or fears that they want to change, right? The behaviors are usually just symptomatic of um, these other sort of fears or limitations or limiting beliefs mm -hmm. is the next thing is people are like, okay, so I did that. I put down the aloneness that was from the other generation. <laughs> I did all these things now, now what, right? Like, what do I do now that I'm not like suffering? And we, we, we go into purpose. So how can spending time in nature mm -hmm. or having a nature practice bring us closer to our purpose? I find that when I'm in the stillness of nature, I, I think it's, you know, our purpose isn't something that lives in our head, it lives in our hearts. And so what I found that in being in nature, I get quiet enough to hear my heart. You know, mm, I get still get quiet enough. enough. I'm going to, I'm going to just interrupt you. Sorry, Lindsay, quiet enough to hear my heart. I want everyone to hear that and still enough to, to see what's there, you know? Mm. And I think that that kind of listening that I think it plays out in all of my other relationships. You know, mm. um, I remember in one of your shows, you talked about how we listen to hear what we want to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, God. Yes, I do that. Um, but, <laughs> but when I'm in nature, we all, do <laughs> we all do that, right? When I'm in nature and I'm listening, there's nothing really to say. It's just the, the listening. And, you know, I'll find that I'll go on my, my morning walks and it's become a huge part of my practice because it allows me to be a receptive channel. It allows, you know, these mm. like little messages. I get my best ideas. Downloads. I get, you get your downloads. I get my downloads. Yeah, yeah I, I, get I get all your downloads. I'll have this question I might be wrestling with when I'm sitting at my computer and I'm like, how should I structure blah, 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 blah. 
And then I'll go out and I'll go for a walk and I'll listen to waves crashing. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, there it is. It's easy. Mm -hmm. It's simple. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of purpose, again, that's where I sometimes say, you know, it's above my pay grade because I don't even know the whole picture of my destiny just yet. But I know that bit by bit, I get messages that help me to take the next step. And each step I take, I get a little bit more clear. And nature has definitely been my ally in that, whether it's been being in nature itself or looking at these patterns of the five elements through the emotional pools or working with flower essences. All of these have been tools for me for learning to see myself more fully and to be in a better relationship with the, the people who are around me. You know, in African traditions, we have a concept that's called your egg bay or your soul family. Uh-huh. And these are the people that like, we all kind of came down here together to, to oh, yeah. fill a mission. Totally. And so um, being in nature helps me to, to be in right relationship with the messages from my heart, to be in right relationship with the people who are around me, and, and to find that sense of presence and purpose. Oh, wow. And so what I hear you saying is that being in nature, the habit of being in nature allows us to listen with an open heart. Oh, yes, that's exactly yeah. <laughs> that's exactly Isn't it. it true. And can you tell us the, the name of the African concept about our soul family? Um, in some traditions, it's called the Egg Bay. Okay. It's called the Egg Bay. Egg and bay. there's a movie, I think there's a Disney movie called Soul, actually. Oh, there is. Yes, my kids have seen it. I have not seen it, but I, I do love a Disney movie. Just so I, let me just tell you, so much of my insight comes from either Disney movies or 90s hip hop. I don't know. It's just something oh, about well, this there you world. go. <laughs> Or Disney movie about 90s hip hop. Or Disney movie about 90s hip hop. I know. Um, But yeah, it's it's this idea of, you know, the the folks that come down with you. Um, Some people call it your, I call it my soul squad, you know, my vibe tribe. Soul squad, I love that. Well, you know, if you've read, I'm sure you have, but Many Lives, Many Masters, which was a book written, I think in like the 1970s, maybe early 80s. And um, the concept in the book is that we, we live multiple lives. So you may believe yeah. in that you may not, but uh, the idea is that the people in our soul tribe mm-hmm. um, usually travel with us between mm-hmm. lives. Yes. So there might be people that you encounter who you feel like there's like, just, you know, this, when my son was born, the first thing I said, literally I had had a lot of morphine by this point. Cause it'd been a, <laughs> a bit of a, <laughs> it'd been a bit of a journey. But, you were tapped um, into a different consciousness. I was definitely, I was very chatty. <laughs> I was very chatty, but I did say the first thing I said was, I was like, I know him. And mm. it was because I just had this, like, I've like met you before, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it could be the premise of the book is it could be that he was my, you know, father, even he was right. my sister and I was a boy and he was right. a girl, whatever, but that these are souls of the people in our sort of tribe travel together. Um, And that this usually isn't our first necessarily encounter. And that is true if we have people in our lives who feel like soulmates, but maybe they're just not in the right gender or whatever it is for us. Or or it could be um, this concept, which I love of twin flames, those people who Mm -hmm. seem to mirror everything back to you. And maybe we have trouble even getting along with, but like we can't Mm -hmm. let go of, right? There's also that concept. And so I think that it's important. And we also need to know, just like trees, Aspen trees, which are my favorite tree, they live in a tribe, right? They don't live, yes. they're not a singular entity, right? That we yeah. need others, especially now that we're coming out of, it's, I always say it's a very tender time because we're coming out of this very isolationist period yeah. of COVID, mm-hmm. how much we need others. Yeah. We need others so, so, so much. I think um, that's so beautiful because there's nothing in nature that that functions in isolation. Anything that is functioning independently is going it's on its verge of dying you know and yeah. so we as humans are also part of nature we are nature we're not just part mm-hmm. of nature we are in fact nature and so you know if if the trees can't live independently neither can we you know we have to relearn how to be interdependent with one another and to lean it's on hard. it's hard it definitely is hard yeah uh, I think that nature can model in some ways a, a friend of mine um, has this exercise where she says you know if you're in relationship with someone and you're feeling some tension she was like imagine what kind of plant they are and then imagine what kind of plant you are and see if that imagining again it's coming back to that study around 
perception of nature, right? What kind of new insight can you gain from just even perceiving ourselves through the eyes of, of plants? You know, and I, I've done that. I mean, I've been That's dating. That's a really good one. It's really good. It's really surprising sometimes what comes up. It's like, you know, you get in the, your eye, your mind's eye, like, oh, this person is a vine. I feel smothered. Or this person is an oak tree. I feel a steadiness when I'm with this person that it kind of awakens us to understandings from our heart that we may not know consciously or have the language for, but we can receive the image through nature of, of what those relationships are. It's, it's, and it's also kind of a fun exercise. Oh, that is genius. I love trees. I'm a huge tree fan and I always give all of my analogies to, you know, the roots and the <laughs> fruits and the tree and the whatever. But I, um, I love this exercise. So ending on this beautiful nature exercise, mm-hmm. tell us how can people find more of Lindsay? Well, I am super excited to share that my book is coming out on August 8th. Woo, girl! <laughs> and it's called In Our Element, Using the Five Elements as Soul Medicine to mm-hmm. Unleash Your Personal Power. So in the book, I go more in detail into how to work with the five elements, how to work with those emotions that I mentioned earlier, specific flower essences to use. Um, So I'm super excited. And uh, the book is going to come out August 8th. And my website for the book is inourelementbook.com. So that is one way to find me. And then on that site, you'll also find links to classes that I have coming up where in the certification program, we're always teaching how to align with nature, how to be in relationship with the natural world and use that um, and integrate that into our personal or professional healing work. Um, so again, it's in our and also on social media, you can find me at Lindsay Font. Lindsay Font. Okay. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Oh, and Twitter. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. And then when your book does come out in August, will you please send me the info so I can share it with everyone? I absolutely Um, And our our audience. So I would love to do that. And in closing, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. And um, (laughs) you guys, please check Lindsay out. Want to work with her? uh, Check out one of her certification programs. And everyone, please wait with bated breath, as I will, for her upcoming book. And um, any more questions you have for Lindsay or myself, you can uh, continue the conversation on our Facebook group at habitsforhappiness.com. And just remember everyone, the road to happiness is paved with healthy habits, especially the habit of nature. So please listen next week for another riveting conversation on a powerful habit that can change your life. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much. much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.